Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Board YouTube channel. It's the second of our double header on a Thursday. It's our weekly show with myself, Jacob, and my co-host to the side of me over here, Kirk Evans. We're going to go through some weekly NBA takeaways and some betting as well at the end of the show. Along the way for those takeaways, we want to talk about a few things. In particular, we want to talk about the Orlando Magic, who continue to win games. They're at eight wins in a row now. We want to talk about the Timberwolves, who lead the Western Conference. And we want to talk about the other end of the NBA spectrum, the Detroit Pistons, who have lost 15 games in a row. Also be previewing maybe a little bit of the in-season tournament elimination stages. Eight teams are remaining. And if you've been telling the picks, we have one team alive still, potentially to go and win it all at those plus 6,600 odds. So, we're feeling pretty good about that one. Unfortunately, maybe the other ones didn't go to plan, but we'll get to that near the end of the stream. Yeah, some tough ones. Well, why don't we start with that? You got to yeah. react into it. Some tough ones, the Warriors and Timberwolves. We had both yeah. of them to get out of that group. Neither of them was supposed to get out of that group. Um, that w- Warriors game in particular, uh, it was a bit late. I went to bed. They were up by like 17. I'm like, all right, maybe they win by 12. I wake up. They don't even win the game, let alone win by margin. Yeah, no, it's 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 tough when uh, you have two bets at like whatever we got like four to one and six to one something like that. Both go to minus favorites and then both lose in the same group. Yeah. You know, ne- never like what you like like to see, but uh, yeah, the the books caught because they just weren't factoring in injured players in their in season tournament odds. Like uh, Fox went down with an ankle, and then. I think Curry was out for the Minnesota game and they, they just weren't adjusting the odds. And then we would win those games. And then teams just were, were running bad after that. Same with Denver. Like, Jesus, that was, that yeah, was a Denver. tough one as well. The other but um, we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> hopefully we cash a 66 to one on the Knicks and then easy to forget those other ones, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, the Knicks will be a little bit in tough, but we'll get to the in-season tournament closer to the end of the show. What we're going to start with, t- what we're going to start with today is the Orlando Magic, and their surge at the top of the Eastern Conference. They have won eight games in a row. They have the third best defense in the NBA. The weight defensive range has been fluctuating. They were top. They've been near the top, but they're right near the top with one of the best defense in the league. They have injuries as well. Wendell Carter hasn't even been playing in this whole run of games. But the question is like, how sustainable do you see this incredible run by the magic? Can they keep this going throughout an entire season? Yeah. Well, you look at the numbers and and there's nothing that really jumps out to you as unsustainable. Um, Their top two players are like below average in efficiency. Paolo has been below average in efficiency, but Franz is shooting like 30% from three after being, you know, 36%, 37% in his career. Um, Teams are shooting well against them from three, even though they're third in defense. And it's frankly unbelievable what they're doing. They, they're they starting Goga Batadze and bringing Mo uh, Wagner off the bench. And they're the best D in the league over the last few weeks. So, you know, I tweeted this earlier. Mosley's not getting the credit he deserves. I think he's moved into the favorite for coach of the year. And I don't just say, say that because I have a, a future on him. He's it's been unbelievable. You know, it's, you look at this team, it's not exactly, uh, you know, all the best defenders in the league. I just said Wagner and Goga, who are two pretty poor defensive centers. Paolo came into the league with uh, 
you know, definitely big defensive question marks and struggled a lot last year. And then Suggs is amazing defensively. He's a beast, but they're better with Suggs off the court than on defensively. So, you know what? Give give Jamal Mosley his flowers. I think it's sustainable. You know, out of these kind of overperforming teams, the whatever you want to call them, periphery numbers look the best for Orlando. They haven't even been good offensively. So, yeah, I think Orlando is the real deal, and, and the market has started to price them as so as well. Yeah, it's 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 interesting with this team. Like, Koga Batadze, you told me he was anchoring one of the best defense in the NBA. I would say you're absolutely crazy, but that's the case right now starting. Uh, they're going to get healthy, uh, as I've said, with Wendell Carter, who we've talked on the show as a significant player for this team, perhaps an underrated player in the league. And... For any team that's doing well, a good metric is defense to suggest sustainability. I don't know if this like torrid pace will continue where they're right on the heels of the Boston Celtics, the top of the East, but defense usually is pretty sustainable to continue to use. Like offensively, yeah, teams can scheme against you, and perhaps they can scheme against you in different ways with your defense. But this is a good metric to suggest that some of this is something they can keep up wouldn't say that they're going to be a top three team in the Eastern conference all the way through the season, but I don't even go as far as say I'd be, I wouldn't be sorry. I wouldn't even go as far as say I'd be surprised. They missed out on the top six, but they have a chance. They have a top six potential because there's a lot of teams as well, kind of grappling around who haven't really solidified their positions this season, but this is a playoff team. This just very much looks like a playoff team. Uh, if they get into the playoffs or are maybe on the way getting there, it's interesting with the assets at the disposal. Do they commit mid-season perhaps to a winning trade? Do they kind of pull the OKC move of last year and say, well, it's fun. We're still not quite ready. Let's still try to keep ourselves in check here and then see what we have in the offseason. What do you think the strategy is going to be for the Magic in that sense with trades? It's hard to see. Like, I don't think they're trading for Levine, a guy who we've talked about a lot yeah. on here. It's kind of hard to see exactly who that piece would be. Like, there's a lot of guys you look at around the league and think, yeah, that, they'd fit amazing on Orlando, but not really anyone who comes to mind who's super available. And like, they're not going to trade for Trey Young, you know, and, and kind of ruin the, the dynamic they have. So I, if I'm Orlando, I'm waiting it out. They're not winning a championship this year or probably next year. You know, wait for someone to get disheveled and and they've got all their picks. They've got young guys and and then make a move. They, they It's pretty obvious. They need a point guard who can shoot the ball. That's kind of like the next step of what they need. Um, so yeah, I, I would be pretty surprised if they made any sort of significant trade, especially because all their starters are kind of their young guys. Like it's not like they're kind of riding, you know, vets in the starting lineup, yeah. like faults is maybe the only one, but he's not even playing and they're still being totally dominant. So yeah, if I'm them, I'm not trading. I, I would be kind of surprised if they made a major move. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree there. And they also just kind of want to make sure that these young guys are still getting as many touches as possible and uh, riding the wave with Wagner and Bancaro doing what they're doing this season. Uh, they've been fine, but they have, like you said, they haven't been even at their best quite yet. So I'm excited to see if they can get back, get to those efficient levels. I don't know if Bancaro has it quite yet, but Wagner, we've seen some yeah. incredible efficiency in the past. He's been underperforming in that respect, but they continue yeah. to win. It's unbelievable that that uh, France has been below his level and they're still uh, being this ridiculous. But I just want to quickly give uh, Mosley some flowers. 
on how insane what Orlando's doing right now. So if you go, so Orlando right now is number one in turnover differential, uh, or not turnover differential, sorry, uh, turnovers forced. They force the most okay. turnovers uh, per game. So logically, forcing turnovers and defensive rebounding are negatively correlated. So teams typically who force a lot of turnovers, defensive rebound poorly because you're playing a more scrambly style. You're going to be more out of restive. position for turnover yeah. for, for uh, defensive rebounds more. So last four years, teams that led the league in um, turnover rate on defense, Chicago was first, 23rd in D rebounding. Toronto went three straight years first. They were first for three straight years. They were 28th D rebounding, 23rd D rebounding, 16th D rebounding. So like you can see terrible D rebounding teams. If you're first yeah. in turnovers, checks out. Orlando, first in turnover rate, second in D rebounding rate. It's unbelievable what they're doing. And that kind of, le- I, I don't really see why that's going to change. You know, I think they're 16th in defensive um, effective field goal. So this team, they're just pretty ridiculously good. You know, they're, they were 10-point favorites yesterday to Washington. They'll be 10-point favorites again tomorrow to Washington. Not that Washington's gangbusters, but, you know, Orlando being 10-point favorites to anyone, they're they're behind probably just OKC in terms of teams skyrocketing up uh, their, their rebuild. Yeah, the magic, I mean, the, the rebuild seems to be going very well. I think that they even skipped a phase of the rebuild already and maybe like phase two, three of the rebuilds here. And uh, I, I, I was looking at against the spread numbers yesterday. Orlando are unsurprising number one in the NBA uh, against yeah. the spread because market hasn't quite catching up. They're still getting there and getting there, but eight wins in a row. So it would, uh, <laughs> would, would show maybe that there's <laughs> starting to pay attention to this team. Uh, another team that perhaps we've had to adjust some of the market on is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are 13 and four. They are top of the Western Conference after the Nuggets' dominant start to the league. And this is a team that right now has the best defensive rating in the NBA. They're right up there with the best. They've been up there all season. But right now, it's 106.6 on the defensive rating. Perhaps not surprising the defense is good, but perhaps surprising it looks this good with Minnesota. Where do you think they've started to piece things together this season after being eliminated in the play-in tournament last year? I think they they made the first round last year and got eliminated to Denver. My apologies, you're right. They uh, they lost to the Lakers. That's what I'm thinking about. They won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good game. Um, Yeah, I think Minnesota just kind of wants everyone to forget that last season was a thing. Like this is kind of what Minnesota imagined when they traded that insane bag for Gobert. Um, I think yeah, it just kind of makes sense that Minnesota is really good. They have Gobert, who's been a walking, you know, top five defense in his career. They have Cat, who hasn't even been great this year. He's been fine. They have Edwards, who should be able to lift this team to like a good enough offense. And, you know, they start three high-level defenders, including, you know, Gobert, who's pretty clearly the defensive player of the year favorite right now. So to me, it makes sense that Minnesota is doing this. I think there are maybe some numbers that are a little luck based, but it just more didn't make sense that last year went so bad than this year is going good because, you know, you start massive size, including the best defensive center in the league. You know, McDaniels is an amazing wing defender, same with Ant. So it just didn't really make sense that they were like a below average defense last year. So it makes sense to me that this, this Minnesota team is pretty good. 
Do you attribute the success this season more so down to the trade they made over a year ago, or is it more the meteoric rise of Anthony Edwards? Oh, way more the trade, honestly. The trade. They're, they're the number one defense in the league. I can't give that much credit to Anthony. They're, look, they're playing Utah on a back-to-back, but they're 11-point favorites, and Ant's not going to play tonight. So I think Ant's awesome, and he actually has stepped up and is having an awesome year. But I, I don't think they're doing I, – I think they're a, a below-average defense without Gobert. They probably would be able to get their offense to top 10, but – I definitely don't think they're 13 and four without Gobert. That being said, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify the trade. That trade was completely insane. Uh, that was going to be but, my follow-up question. <laughs> but Gobert, Gobert's being a beast, exactly what they want him to be. You know, he's kind of getting back to uh, what you would kind of think he would, would be because he was so dominant in Utah with no defenders around him. Now you put him with, you know, Cat's obviously a pretty below average defender, but he's at the four, you get some size. And then Ant and McDaniels, those are two better defensive players than he ever really played with in Utah. So it makes yeah. sense to me that that this is a really high-level defense. That's that's a good point you bring up because in a lot of the Utah playoff games where Gobert got run off the floor, a lot of that was like nobody was helping him. He was out there kind yeah. of on his own like with a guy like getting picked on like Donovan Mitchell. So Edwards stepping up there has definitely made a significant difference to the defense. Well, obviously the catalyst of the defense is Rudy Gobert, but for the Timberwolves, like the fan base, I think they're aware they overpaid for, I mean, they were all, we're all aware everywhere that Rudy Gobert was an overpay, but I think like even the front office knew that, but like, this is a team that for the last two decades has never gone anywhere, pretty much two decades, never got anywhere in the playoffs. Like you saw the reaction when they won the, a play in tournament game <laughs> to just get to the playoffs <laughs> Pat Bed was celebrating like this team, this city had a championship. So like just this, like maybe without the success long-term is fine for them for that overpay, perhaps justified in that sense. But uh, when they made this trade for Gobert, I didn't like it, but I said like, I think there's going to be a team that just churns out wins in the regular season is a regular season win machine. Perhaps that take delayed a year made <laughs> a bit more sense, but I questioned how they would perform in the playoffs with a team like this. Do you have those question marks? I know it's early, but would you have those question marks at this point with the roster and its current construction? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're a serious playoff contender. And I think that was, I, I was kind of exactly in the same boat as you. I thought, I, I think I had bets on like them, most regular season wins to win the West last year. Look, obviously they came nowhere close, but this is kind of how I imagine them, you know, a, a regular season wins machine, like you said. But I don't think they're a serious uh, contender in the playoffs. Like they just, they start two bigs, which will be tough. Gobert's had a, a harder time in the playoffs defending. I don't really think that the offense even now is working that well. So yeah, definitely serious concerns in the playoffs. That being said, I do think they match up well with Denver. I think Denver actually had a pretty tough time with them last year. And now they've actually kind of figured it out. I think they were Denver's hardest series last year. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think they could, you know, no team in the West is that good. So maybe they could go on a run, but I, I still kind of doubt it. I, I think that series of Denver went five games. Now I'm remembering they made the playoffs, but I remember it was like a very competitive five game series. Uh, it was very, it was on, it was on the cusp of being a six game series or more as well. But uh, yeah, they did play them well. So, uh, well, the healthy McDaniels, hopefully not 
punching a wall or anything, breaking his hand before the playoffs. <laughs> a healthy McDaniels makes this team a whole lot better and a whole lot more difficult of a matchup for the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs if he's there. So um, that will be interesting to see. But I, yeah, I agree with you. The sustainability of the wins right now, uh, 14-3 or 13-4 is, is kind of extreme. Yeah, 13-4 yeah, is kind of extreme, but I don't think, it's too extreme. It's not super extreme on this one. Uh, yeah, shout out Canada as well. Two Canadian creators here and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But finally finding a home over there. And I agree, the Gobert contract is still expensive, but it's it's a calculated risk. They're willing to overpay for the player. They're willing to overpay on the trade because they just don't know success in Minnesota with a Timberwolves. That's, that, that's not disrespectful to say. Uh, next team. Uh, quick, quick, team. quick. Oh, yeah, go just, ahead, go ahead. Just to interrupt here. Um I was, we're giving out bets at the end of the show, but I can see on my screen right now, this is getting absolutely bombed. So All right. if Let's you have uh, Clippers plus five, uh, it's still available. Looks like Bovada points bet. Not not super widely available. Maybe sports trade as well. Looks like it's up. So yeah, Clips plus five, if you can get it. I like it. That's what I was going to give out at the end of the show. Just got announced that those guys were going to play at the, 230 open back up i think five and a half five but now i can see a bunch of max bets coming in on uh the clippers which i agree with so if you can get clips plus five take it all right clippers plus five i see you mentioned uh, uh sport trade you mentioned points bet betway if that's available in your region as well also still hanging that so if you're watching live you get a little bit of the benefit for watching live here <laughs> as the Clippers yeah. start to move here. So get him. Apologies if, if you could see me just keep on looking to my left, but <laughs> I just, I just saw my screen lighting Hey, up. now we know why. There's no problem at all. <laughs> Look, you, you, you got a, you got a job to do at the end of the day. The job is sports betting and you're here to, to share the knowledge of that. So we appreciate that. All right. Um, I just checked and yes, Betway still up five and a half. So even if you can get that, obviously even better. All right. Let's talk about the other end of the NBA standings, the Detroit Pistons. Um, I'll read out a tweet that I got sent today by Joey Kanish after the Pistons went two and one last <laughs> season, the Pistons held opponents to 103 points or less a total of four times out of 82 games and actually lost all four this season. They've done it three times in three games, <laughs> two and one record. <laughs> Fuck your analytics. Monty Williams <laughs> worth every penny. Monty Williams, the seventh highest paid coach in North American sports. Incredibly. They have not won a game since that tweet. They have played 15 games since that tweet by a friend of the network, <laughs> Joey Kanish. I get they're bad. And, and I remember when they were two and one on my personal channel, I remember people trying to tell me, oh, the Pistons are going to be decent this year. I'm like, no, they're not. They still suck. Don't get fooled after three games. Here we are, 15 in a row. We knew they were bad. We didn't know they were this bad. Why are they this bad? Look, I, I, hard for me to victory lap too much on this channel after giving out a bunch of duds on the in-season tournament. Yeah. But I told you guys Cade stinks. And he still stinks. And he probably always will stink. That's by far the number one problem. He's probably the worst high-volume player in the league, maybe of the last five years. This is his third year. He's terrible. Get the ball out of his hands. That's number one. Number two, yeah, everyone is bad on this team. Like, Duran's solid. Past him, everyone's terrible. So, um, yeah, I just don't really see why this team would be good. They have a lot of young players who are bad. They have no veterans who are good. 
Burks is their best player. And, you know, if Alec Burks is your best player, you're pretty terrible. So it makes sense they're, they're bad. What really didn't make sense was the hype prior to the season. And what they have to do is kind of the hardest thing to do in sports, and it gets everyone fired. And, and uh, Weaver is going to get fired, let's be real. But they have to reset the rebuild. And that's the worst thing to do in sports. You, you rebuild three years, and then you realize, nope, it's oh, a dumpster geez. fire. It's a dumpster fire. We got the number one overall pick. That number one overall pick is bad. He's, he's Maybe he could be a good wing, but we haven't even proved that yet. So you got to reset. You got to focus back on the draft. What else are they supposed to do? Trust Sasser and Ivy to be, you know, the next great Pistons team? Maybe if they keep this rebuild going and keep going with that, maybe one time they get like an eight seed. But I guess they're kind of doing it by accident anyway. They're the worst team in the league. So they're going to get a top pick. Yeah, but true. They, they cannot think that this core they have right now, you know, is anywhere close to to having a future. So I asked this question uh, earlier today. We had the show with myself and Pips. I asked him the same question about Cade Cunningham and Monty Williams. I asked how much of Cade's poor shot selection, because it's been a couple of weeks since, or maybe it's been three weeks now since you had your, your rant about Cade Cunningham. A lot of that... <laughs> We're seeing even more now. I'm starting to maybe come around on the Cade. Like, okay, I don't know if this guy can actually lead a team. But how much of Cade struggles shooting-wise and at shot selection-wise is on Cade? And is more of it or less of it on the coaching in Monty Williams? No, no. I can't blame Monty Williams for this. Cade did the same thing under Dwayne Casey. Um, look, I thought I, – I, I said it at the time. I thought the Monty Williams hire didn't really make any sense because – I thought they had a, a bunch of bad seasons coming and, you know, it's hard to commit that much to a coach. He's pretty much unfireable at this point. Um, oh yeah. I think Monty Williams is fine though. I, I don't really think he deserved that insane contract, but I think that it's more on the front office that, than on Monty. Maybe it's on Monty because he should give Ivy the ball and let Cade play off ball more. But I just, I just think it's also due to like the lack of talent on the team and the way Cade plays, but it's kind of just on all of them. But I would definitely put Monty at, at the least of that okay. totem pole because he's kind of told Cade is the franchise. He's the guy. We got to put the ball in his hands. And this is also what Cade's done for three seasons in the NBA. Obviously, those have been cut short by injury. But when Cade played last year, he was doing this exact same thing. Right. So some doubts creeping in. I want, I mean... I still oh, think they're, like, they're, they, the doubts have cre- crept in. They're they're here. They are here. They they're have here more than okay. arrived. Well, the, the, the for me, are fifteen point dogs tonight. Fifteen point dogs or fourteen and a half. Like if you're fourteen well, and a half point dogs with your full roster, I guess no boy on, but he hasn't played a game this season. Like, let's be real, you're terrible. Playing who? What were they against the Wizards the other day? I'm gonna go find this yeah. spread when they the got unserious. It. it was two and a half. The unserious matchup. They won the unserious bowl by losing to the Wizards by 20. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. Losing by 20 to the Wizards, who are also on a hefty win streak. I got to see the Spurs against the Pistons. I hope that's on the <laughs> schedule coming up. Because at least that the Wizards game was like one team has to win. One losing streak going to end. The Spurs need to play the Pistons at some point, And we can get that one. Um uh, a comment here saying that Monty is doing his best to create a defensive mindset in the young core. It's just not happening. 
I mean, you want to create a defensive mindset. Like, sure, but you also have James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley getting actual minutes for this team. They can't play defense. They've never been able to play defense. They actually made, I forget what they traded for Bagley, but it was something of like, there was some significance in the package they gave away for, for Wiseman. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So they traded they, they traded Sadiq Bay for Wiseman and they, they signed Marvin Bagley to like a three-year contract for real money when Marvin Bagley probably would be a minimum player if they weren't going to sign him. So yeah, those are two of the, honestly, not, not in terms of bad it, for like how much it affected the franchise, but two of just like the most off-market NBA moves of the last five years. And they were both made for centers by the same guy. At some point, you also got to look at Troy Weaver and think this guy is just not it. He makes terrible moves. Shadiq Bay would be the Pistons' best player. <laughs> they traded they, him for nothing. Yeah, the 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 management is pretty horrific as well here. Um, no doubt, horrific as well the way they're building this team. But I think, well, like you said, there's no point of like making any drastic trades right now. They're going to be bad enough to get the picks regardless. At the bottom, there are like I like Ivy, uh, I like Durin. I think that those guys have successful futures coming up. Uh, I would like to see them in like a proper team. Like there's just, this roster is littered with guys who just like barely NBA caliber. Like I, I, is Isaiah Stewart really? No, Isaiah Stewart. NBA caliber. I don't, Look, I mean, he, he, he can be a backup roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, but he's I, not very sure. good. And also Ivy, like Ivy, I think does have talent and actually is a decent offensive upside. But he is creeping up the unserious rankings. He is one really? of the worst defensive players in the whole NBA. He gets lost. He's too small. Monty does not like him. I think he's actually kind of being forced to play Ivy right now. He started Killian Hayes over him. That's how you can yeah, see how right. much Monty you're likes right. him. Um, so, yeah, I think that, yeah. Every, and, like, I saw Thompson I was watching last night. The guy's shot, like, seven threes. I don't think he's hit a three in a month. So, yeah, I think Asar at least it does look like a pretty good piece, to be fair to Asar. Yeah, Everyone else, I'm not so sure. There's a bit of pushback on the Osar criticism. He, he's, he can't shoot, but no, he's, I, he's a I, good player. I said Asar looks like a good piece. I said Asar looks like a good piece. His shooting is dreadful, Yes, but everything else looks solid. Yes. Uh, so Cade's usage this season 31.2, which uh, compares to Giannis and Dame last uh, – Giannis with no Dame – it's 38 last season. So Giannis gets 38% yeah. usage. Cade Cunningham gets 31.2. And yeah, Kate, this is true. Isaiah Stewart, best three points from the team. That's it. He has been good this year. Um, yeah, Cade is in 100th percentile usage, 10th percentile points per shot attempt. I think like 0 percentile in turnover percentage. So is that, it's bad. Those are, those are real stats you just said. Real- <laughs> uh, let, me, let me confirm where he is in turnover percentage here. But is his usage at use? Sorry, okay, a hundredth percentile usage, eleventh percentile points per shot attempt, tenth percentile turnover percentage. Where's uh? Just curious. Where's Wemby in in um usage percentile? Because like he's really high. Because I know the Spurs are playing horrible basketball, but like they want to. They're just letting Wemby do whatever. It's it's the Wemby show. Wemby loves to chop along. Exactly. If if Pop cared about winning, he'd say stop shooting. And that would make the team better immediately. If he cared about winning, he wouldn't start Sohan at point guard. But it doesn't seem like he's worried about that right now. The Pistons, I, I'm sorry to say, I think they actually do care about trying to win these games. And they get they lose by 20 
every single night. Like usually 14 spreads are like end of season tanking teams. This team is still in like the first quarter of their season pretty much. Yeah, no. Wemby's actually similar in terms of Kate of like 95th percentile usage right. and, and bottom percentile and points per shot. Yeah, the whole Wemby, the Spurs have been really weird for two years. I know the, this is in the Spurs segment, but they like they just are so, I, I hate to use this term because I use it so much, but they're so non-serious. Like, why are they starting Jeremy Sohan at point guard? He's a power forward. They're horrific when he's on the court. They have yeah. Trey Jones, who's fine. Wemby never plays center. Like, I just don't really get, like, they don't care about winning. That's what I'm saying. They, they clearly don't care about winning the way they're playing. Um, comments saying that uh, you're not a fan of the Sohan experiment at point guard. You know who else is not a fan of the Sohan experiment at point guard? <laughs> Jeremy Sohan. He hates playing there. He doesn't want to play there, but he's being forced to play that role, and it's not helping his growth. Calling Jeremy Sohan a point guard is like calling me a supermodel. They're just not things that are true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I won't, I won't say anything to that, but you make a strong <laughs> case for yourself over there. I was going to say about the Pistons, what would be the way to, to like, what, how do they even start to solve this? Um, another thing we didn't mention, by the way, for management, they could have traded Bogdanovich. Reports suggest two, two first-round first. picks were, off to, were offered, and they did not take it. How did they do that? I don't know. Like, they, they traded for him, and I, they, I think they traded him, then they re-signed him, or they signed him as a free agent, one of the two. They definitely re-signed him as a free agent yeah. or signed him as a free agent. Yeah, they traded My for thoughts, him. My thoughts, they traded for and, him? And then signed him. Well, yeah. I think they traded for him, him from Utah. For, for, honestly, a, it was a good trade because right. they did everything right up until the point where they had to trade him. And then they Exactly. Didn't. What I was going to say is they signed him because, okay, we'll retain this asset. This will be a, a player a lot of contending teams would want. Then we flip him. And then when they came to flip him, they didn't flip him. <laughs> they still fucking have him. Yeah. Oh, what a mess. I'm sorry, Detroit Pistons. And, and I'm, he's I'm also like one of the worst defensive players in the league. Like all help their offense. He's awesome. He's he's an incredible yes. shooter, but he cannot move. He's probably going to be a bit out of shape coming back and coming off a calf strain and he's a yeah. year older on this defense. Oof, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. I hope, well, I hope they start him. I hope they start uh, Durant at center and then him at power forward because then their defense is just going to be so bad. Uh, the question from Jay here saying, do you think that both picks were real though? Uh, I'd guess at least one was protected. So, and would, yeah, it's contending teams. So they're not the best picks, but like two picks, that's better than yeah. what you're getting right now. Like that's, that's something you can actually use. I, I agree with that take though. I, I saw that report. That report came out like yesterday or something yeah, or did, two days ago of that. Seemed that's like, why I said reportedly, you know, yeah, not like confirmed. every, every NBA report you need to kind of take with a grain of salt, but like even one first, like they'd be better with one first. They're going to be the worst team in the league this year. They don't yeah, really just, need what are them. They planning? Like, if they're holding it, what are yeah. they planning to get down the line is, is, is value goes yeah. down every year. It's probably it's lowest it's ever been because of the injury. We don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back. It'd be hard to do anything with this team. So yeah. If, and, if and anything look was really good, on the table. You look at good rebuilding teams, they accumulate assets. Detroit has not even thought about accumulating assets in this rebuild. It's not shocking to me that this is such a disaster, but it, it is at this point. Yeah, so I think, they'll, like you said, they'll let this disaster play out all season and then see an offseason. But uh, I don't know. I, I seriously doubt that the golden boy, Kate, is, is going anywhere. Um, I don't know. If, yeah, I like, know you don't are they like going to max him out? Is that going to yeah. happen? Yeah, they'll give him a rookie max. What do you, you don't think they will? No, I, I think they will. I just it's just a fascinating scenario of like 
everyone putting their heads in the sand and saying, oh, Cade's good because he doesn't play. What player in the NBA history has been good but always puts up horrible stats because of his teammates? Are you like are you fully out on Cade, like giving up? He's never going to be like a, like, a, a I think star sort of player? Oh, no. I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if Cade, Cade was a star in the NBA. The only way I could see it is if he's like a very good, like, I don't know what the comp would be. Not Jalen Brown in terms of like, they, they play a different style, but like kind of like that secondary ball handler who can score, shoot, defend. Because Cade is big and can defend. So if they if they change him to like a three wing, maybe in that, because sh- also he can't shoot. So we'll see. A lot of things would have to go right. But yeah, I'm pretty much as out on Cade as, as you okay. can be. There you have it. Uh, you, you've doubled, tripled down on that. And I, I don't see a turnaround this season. So you're safe for a while. Maybe you're always going to be safe with that one because not trending upwards. All right. Let's go to the in-season tournament here. We spoke about the bets earlier that uh, have, have not gone the way of Next the show. Next 66-1. to one. Let's win that. We have the 66-1 <laughs> to one available or that we, we still have riding. We have 66-1 to one for the New York Knicks to win the in-season tournament. Uh, lost a little bit on the Warriors Timberwolves uh, Timberwolves twice. Uh, the big loss was the Denver Nuggets. Now these bets that were made here were you were banking on like the game coming up, the injuries not being accounted for, which was smart because, like you said, the Timberwolves and Warriors at one point were negative favorites to win the group. Timberwolves we got at plus four fifty, uh, Warriors we got at plus one ninety five. And the Nuggets was a big one, though. Minus 190 to win their group. And they flame out after a big loss to the Rockets. It's tough. Yeah, like, I don't know. I would have to look back at at the implied prob of the money lines in those games. We were definitely favored in, in both. But we definitely hit that in the Nuggets hitting a pretty rough spot in their schedule. Something that, honestly, I probably missed on. Look, I think minus 195, like, based on the money line prices we got against the Pels and the Rockets probably was still like pretty significantly plus EV, but you know what? You can't pay the bills with plus EV. We lost. I got to soak that. And yeah, it's tough. Losing a minus 200 bet also just stinks, but yeah, it is what it is. Nuggets now Murray back looking to turn it around, but just, just pretty ugly, especially that Pell's loss. I think they were five point favorites in new Orleans. They win that. I think the group's won. So yeah, it definitely. That's what you were banking on. That was like okay, like if they win that, it's over. So like, yeah, they just got to win yeah. as big favorites there. They didn't, yeah. but again, the, the process is there. We uh, we understand. Maybe not one of our viewers here is saying, uh, Dolce saying he's he's got to eat cup noodles with his family because honestly, of- and and every <laughs> pick I've tweeted has also been like unbelievable losses. I think the last I haven't tweeted a pick in a while. Like the last two two or two out of the three totals that closed with like three points of value lost by like 50 so going into hiding on everybody you hiding my, my, away from the picks yeah well my account's been mush and i actually need to win these bets so uh I'll, I'll get back to it let's win these two i'm gonna give out two props hopefully the clippers win and then and then and then we're rolling all right yeah we got the clippers one of you're watching live earlier before we get to the other two let's talk about the in-season tournament as it is so the the knicks they snuck in like they snuck into the elimination stages here with I think it was their big win on point differential got them into this stage against the Hornets I think they beat the Hornets by something like 20 regardless they're here they're playing the Bucks as the four seed in this bracket 
What do you make of the New York Knicks' chances here? And overall, who do you see going through and winning this thing at this point? Oh, the Knicks are going to win this tournament. Uh, I think so. <laughs> um, I think uh, opening line is uh, Knicks plus six. I actually like that line. Um, yeah, the, the Knicks are really good. Obviously, I think Boston's probably the favorite. Boston's just the best team in the league by a significant margin. Um, other than that, like I probably think the Pacers aren't going to win. I think any of these other teams like are all pretty close. Like if I had to rank them, I'd probably go like after the Celtics, the Bucks are probably the second best team. Then like you really get into a you know who who, who do you have better? Suns, Lakers, Knicks, Kings. Those teams are all pretty close. Even the Pels now getting Murphy back yeah. and getting CJ back. This is a great tournament. Great tournament. Yeah, I, I like it bracket. a lot. This is going to be really fun. I think the teams are going to take it really serious. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the Pacers are going to win because those are two really tough matchups. But anyone else pretty easily could win. It's I, I like taking a lot of long shots on this tournament because it's one game and then two of them are – or sorry, it's one game elimination and then two of the games are on neutral court. So, like, no one's going to be huge dogs other than maybe – like the biggest spread of this tournament probably will be Celtics Pacers. So really anyone could win this tournament. What's the, so the Knicks right now, best available is plus six and a half, but markets around six, six and a half on that one. The other game where that could come into play. Let me find the other semifinal here and see. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I think Celtics are like four and a half, five. Yeah. Four uh, and a half. Late. So, so the biggest spread is the Knicks probably for the whole biggest tournament. Spread. What? Uh, quote me here, those will turn around. The Celtics okay. will fit, will close bigger favorites than uh, the next versus the box. We'll quote you. So we're praying uh, on yeah. our, we're praying on that 66 to one here that we got at bet MGM. Uh, we have it tracked here, but let's get to today's picks to end off the show. You have two today. You wanted to share. What do you have for us? Um, so two picks, both props. Levine over 20 and a half points at minus 110. I think pretty widely available. Uh, yeah, I'll pull it up here on Betstamp. We can shop for the prices here. So yeah, 20 and a half. I don't really need to pull it up. Everywhere's got 20 and a half. Minus 110. Everywhere's got uh, minus 110. If you see minus 115, don't bet it. You can get minus 110. Even to minus 105 actually at Betway on Levine there. Best we can find. Yeah, so this is around fair with uh, Levine and DeMar playing. Both are questionable. If Levine doesn't go, it'll obviously void. Um, DeMar's injuries just was pretty substantially worse than De Levine. I think Levine goes and DeMar doesn't, and pretty simple logic. I think DeMar probably at best is 50% going to go. And even if you have a 50-50, then this over 20 and a half is pretty clearly good. So Zach Levine just... Banking on DeRozan not being 100%. I mean, he's not going to be 100% regardless. And if he doesn't play, well, even better. This probably closes like two, three points higher. So um, getting ahead of that injury news, uh, as always, can be a good endeavor to play with betting. But what is the second play that we have? Uh, Buddy healed under four and a half rebounds. Uh, don't take it at like Caesars or FanDuel. Let's get minus 110 here. There are a few out there. DraftKings, MGM, minus 110. So Buddy Heald under on his rebounds. If this is not as wide available, I can pull it up here. Buddy Heald at four and a half. There's minus 110s out there. MGM points bet, DK, 
uh, yeah, uh, ESPN bet if you're playing over there as well. So find a minus 110 on Buddy Heald under four and a half rebounds. Yep. What's minus the, 115, fine as well. What's you the, uh, if you can't find what's, it. What's the handicap behind this one? Yeah, he just hasn't really been rebounding this year. His rebounds are way down. I think it's mostly signal. Kind of makes sense. He's playing with a good rebounding guard in Bruce Brown. Just really, I, I bet this last game against Portland and was just really surprised to see that it so came up. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to see it came up same number. Harder rebounding matchup. Um, not, don't want to knock over my camera. A harder rebounding matchup. Uh, just... He's, he didn't play very many minutes against Portland. It wasn't even a blowout. Nemhard's back. Neesmith is back. Minutes aren't guaranteed. It's just like too high is really the, the reason for it. Okay. So maybe a lesser followed prop here while the books have yet to really adjust to Buddy Heels rebound numbers. We're going to play the under four and a half at minus 110. So if you caught the whole show today, you were able to get that Clippers play. If you're here now, unfortunately, uh, you're a little bit too late. That number is gone. But Clippers, yeah, it we does have look like Clippers is full gone at this Clippers point. Is, Clippers are gone at this point. Uh, did confirm live on the show that this was available. So uh, unfortunately, if you're not watching live, like you know, not a, not always the best practice to go on a show like this and give out the lines move quickly. But just as it was live, it happened. But two plays you can get: Zach Levine over twenty and a half points, and Buddy Hield under four and a half rebounds. Hey. Four percent CLV in one episode of a podcast—that's pretty good. But that is, we lose that is we, lo- we lose every bet with CLV, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, this year uh, I've been uh, listen. If, if if CLV was something I could cash out financially, I uh, I'd probably be able to buy a home right now. But uh, usually a good <laughs> yeah, trick, perhaps not quite this season in that endeavor for myself. But hopefully Clippers can help us out there. This has been. The show, myself, with myself, Jacob, and Kirk Evans. We go live here every Thursday at this time, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, to go through the weekly stories in the NBA. Next week is going to be exciting as well. We're going to be in the midst of the in-season tournament. The NBA, we're going to have a bunch of games, a bunch more to talk about. So make sure you're subscribed to this channel. You also get the Pick and Roll show with myself and Pips NBA every morning at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. So you get a ton of content with the show. But if you enjoyed this one, be sure to smash that like button. Myself and Kirk Evans, we'll be back in a week. Myself alone, I'll be back tomorrow morning with Pips at 11.30. And we very much hope to see you there. Thanks so much for watching. 